All right, Christmas is upon us. I love it. Hope you love it. So can I say Merry Christmas? Is it too early? Merry Christmas. And uh, just really excited about what God has for us uh, this morning. I've just been praying that this sermon that he's put on my heart would be both honoring to God and life-changing for all of you. And and I've got to say, I've been really looking forward to this particular sermon uh, for quite a while now. Uh, It's just some tremendously important stuff that we get to talk about. In fact, it's the final Sunday morning sermon of 2016. It's crazy. Time flies. And since it's the last sermon of 2016, I want to just begin by highlighting some notable Uh, things that have taken place over the course of 2016, if I can. And let me just give you a warning. A lot of this stuff is is very heavy. And so let me just highlight, if I can. Uh, January, North Korea brags about a successful hydrogen bomb test. That's alarming. February, North Korea launches a long-range rocket into space, violating multiple UN treaties. And the world leaders are all concerned about Kim Jong-un's maniacal recklessness. March rolls around, Uh, Brussels, ISIS sets off a series of bombs, killing 32, injuring 250 plus people. We move into Istanbul, ISIS um, again attacks, this time an airport, kills 45, injures 230, followed by Orlando, Florida, 49 killed, 53 injured at a gay nightclub, horrific hate crime. July, racial tension is brought to light yet again in the United States with the shooting of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, followed by a sniper who kills five Dallas police officers. August, Pakistan, ISIS again, suicide bomber, kills 50 or 70 plus people while they mourn at a hospital. And then all year long, of course, being highlighted is the refugee crisis. It's just continuing to grow with really no easy solutions to that issue and thousands again that year drown in the Mediterranean Sea seeking asylum. Meanwhile, the United States, the leader of peace in the world apparently is not so united at all as we elect a new president. We elect a president, protests, and even some violence break out around the country. And then just this past week, something that's been happening for a long time now, but just highlighted through social media, Aleppo, Syria, made visible to the world uh, the issue going on. And again, no easy, workable solution. It's just a sampling, just a small sampling of our year. Strife and violence and hatred and confusion and discord. And I would imagine that for many of us, we're caught up in the frustration of that, and, and we hear the Christmas story, and, and the Christmas story is, it's really nice, but if we were to be honest, I, w- I would venture to say that maybe a few of us in this room, maybe many of us in this room would say, you know what, it, in some ways it doesn't feel like it has bearing on current reality. It doesn't feel like it has bearing on the events that I've been seeing on the news and in my feed, and I, I'm just convinced that it has massive bearing on current reality, on current events. And I want to show you that in the scriptures. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 1. This week we're in Matthew chapter 2. And so if you want to flip on over there, uh, get there quickly. And uh, you can use an app on your phone. The church app has that Bible that you brought with you. We have Bibles around the room for you. If you don't have one at home, Merry Christmas. Uh, Bring those Bibles home and uh, break them in. It's our gift to you. But we're we're calling our, our Christmas series Christmas in 
community. We've been taking a unique look at the Christmas story, seeing how the coming of God to earth as a baby, Jesus of Nazareth, really is a a foretaste of of things to come, uh, things that are going to happen as a result of God becoming a man, and, and we get this, this beautiful picture of unity and of community, and it's, it's not just in the Christmas story, it's all over the Bible, but it really is in the Christmas story, and what we've been saying is that because of the community in Christmas, we're going to seek to spend our Christmas in community, and, and we're going to not just spend Christmas in community, but we're also going to let this serve as, as a catalyst for us to live our lives in community, both with God and with Each other. And so let's read this this passage together. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard of this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet in Micah, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search di- diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring, him, bring me word that I too may come and kill, I mean, worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So this is the familiar story of the wise men, the three kings, the magi. And I want to recap, if I can, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, so that's already happened here. Uh, he, he's, he's born, you know the story, no room uh, in the end, uh, in the end, and so they, they go to a, a stable, he's laid swaddling cloths in a manger, the whole, whole deal, and apparently they decided to remain in Bethlehem, uh, perhaps they have some family there, that's where they went because of the, uh, the census that was being taken, and they went all the way on this long journey to Bethlehem. They remained there rather than quickly returning to Nazareth, where they're from. Fast forward up to two years later, wise men here, kings from the east, uh, show up to the capital city, not far off, Jerusalem, and they are looking for the king of the Jews. They've found out that he has been born as a followed a star, and they followed this star. It's led them to where they are now. They're in Jerusalem, and they say, we want to, to worship him. Now, Herod, who is the occupying Roman king, uh, who's, who's exercising oppression, really, over the Jews, he's a megalomaniac. He's building to flex his power. He's obsessed with power. He's always insecure. He's always running scared and building because he's scared. He calls the Jewish leaders together, and he asks, hey, where is the king of the Jews to be born? And, and they quickly reply, that's easy, Bethlehem, right? And they quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And so 
Herod then arranges a special meeting with these wise men, with these kings, with these magi. And he says, hey, would you guys do me a favor? When you go and when you find this, this king, come back to me and tell me. Because I, I too want to go and worship him. And so the wise men leave and they follow the star and it eventually rests over where the baby was to be born and they get there and they see the child and it says they're rejoicing they're ecstatic and they fall down and begin to worship him and then they present to him these costly gifts god then gives them a dream and says do not go back to herod he's got some bad intentions and they don't go back and they go another way now how does all of this relate to the current realities that we sampled isis international chaos political divide, racial divide. Well, as we've seen through this entire Christmas series and looking at the Christmas story from a unique angle, one of the beautiful realities of the Christmas story is that in the narrative of God becoming a man, we get these foretastes of what God is up to, of what God is going to do with this life, Jesus of Nazareth. He's fulfilling his promise to rescue people, but not just the people of Israel. He's fulfilling his promise to rescue the people, all the people of the earth. Psalm 67, Psalm 47 says this, let the peoples praise you. That is all peoples. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Sing praises to our kings. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. And so all over the Bible, the, the entirety of the Bible, we see that God has a heart, not just for Israel, certainly not just for our nation, but he has a heart for all nations, all people, every single people group, that they would be reached with the message of Jesus, with the message of peace with God that leads to peace with Men. Now, what many of the people of Israel had done is they had become ethnocentric as a, as a people because they were, of course, God's special chosen people. But, but what was it? Was it something within them that was innately good that God saw and said, they'll be my special people? Of course not. That's, that's not it at all. In fact, you, you read the story of the Old Testament and these people are incredibly sinful and just this awful pattern of of God we love you God we worship you and then they pretend like he's not there moments later and God's plan all along had been to use these people call out these people that they might serve as a people a kingdom of priests and what does a priest do a priest helps point people to God that that's who they would be but Israel became ethno ethnocentric instead of being the agents that God wanted them to be. They became very self-centered. But with these wise men, it's really starting to happen, isn't it? With these wise men, we see, yes, Jesus comes from the people of Israel. The, the Messiah is born from the people of Israel. And now it's beginning to happen. Now the nations are starting to be reached. In the midst of political oppression, in the midst of the, the Roman Empire uh, just, just flexing their power over the entire world, God is showing us and showing them a picture of unity in the community that he's creating among all the nations. Now, what do we know about the wise men? Think about it. We really don't know 
much of, of anything about the wise men. We, we can guess that perhaps there were three of them because there were three gifts that were given, so we can assume. We know that they're from the east, and so that means they're, they're either, say, Babylonians or, or, or Arabs. Uh, many scholars will say they were probably Babylonians because long before uh, the, the wise men, the people of Israel were taken captive in Babylon, and that's when Daniel uh, lived his life, and, and Daniel had some writings pointing to the Messiah, and so perhaps these guys got a hold of these writings about the Messiah, and then somehow God used the stars, and they began this long journey to get to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem for the Savior of the world. Now, what was it that brought these men to Jerusalem? What was it that brought these men ultimately to, to Bethlehem? Think about it with me. Was it, was it race? Was it they were, they were going to trace their roots and find out their heritage and, 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 and so they head off to a foreign land? I know many of you have done that. I've heard stories of different people going to Ireland and we're going to drink some Guinness and, and we're going to find some other gingers and, and, and I'm going to trace my roots. Or, I, you know, we had a lady in the church who she went to China to, to reconnect with or to connect for the first time with family she had never met. Or, or some people will go to the Dominican Republic because they have a grandparent who's, who, who's, who's dying. But, but not these men. That's not why they came. What, what was it that brought them to Jesus? Was it, was it position? They were kings and we have a global king summit. And so we're going we're gonna to come together at the global king summit. And, you know, every now and again, I'll go to pastor's conferences and we'll, we'll all geek out together about Greek and, and uh, or, or we have medical professionals. And when I get around you guys and you're talking all these abbreviations and I have no idea, all these letters, you know, N-I-C-U-P-E-T-C-A-T. I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, you just talk shop, right? Was it the position that brought them together and, and unified these guys were going to come to this place. No. Was it affinity? Was it, was it hobbies? Was it, we love stars, and so we're going to StarCon, and, and we're going to show up there. And, and I'm t- No, that, that wasn't it at all. I, I enjoy connecting with other runners. In fact, I got, this, uh, I got this GPS watch, and it's so funny how it's, it's, it's kind of struck up all these conversations. I just didn't expect. I was hanging out one day, shortly, I think it was the day after I got it, and I was at a coffee shop, and somebody comes up and goes, hey, how's that working out for you? So oh, I've only gone on one run, and, and it just it hasn't ceased. It just keeps bringing up conversations. And the other day, it wasn't the watch, but it was some, some running shoes. And somebody said, how do you like those shoes? Do they feel good for your runnings? And, and it, you know, it's just activity, interest sometimes brings us together. It wasn't that. It wasn't the Stargazers convention that brought them to Bethlehem. What was it that brought them to, to Bethlehem? Or, or should I say, who was it that brought them to Bethlehem? It was it was Jesus, and it was their, their faith in Jesus. They, in fact, they didn't know much of anything about where they were going. They were just going. They were, they were just going, and God had been working in their lives and drawing them, and so they set out, and it didn't make any sense whatsoever, but these important people left all the important things that they do behind so that they could go and find this child. They go on this unbelievable journey across the ancient world so that they could find this child, not knowing even where they are going, but they were going. I was thinking about it this week, and we could do an entire sermon series on people who didn't know where they were going, but they were going all throughout the Bible, because there's a lot of those folks, and here's another group of them. How do you, how do you explain it? It's, it's faith. It's God was brewing up something in their hearts, and they just were going towards it. 
God was wooing them. God was working. I was amazed last week at our Christmas banquet. We had two young men share their story. And I love, we do that every year, have different people share their story at our Christmas banquet. And these guys were sharing their stories. And one of the guys was talking about how God had been moving in his heart. A scientist, a researcher from a family of very science-minded people raised to think that, that we believe what we believe only because we were raised this way. And he wasn't raised this way. So it made no sense for him to start coming to towards God, but God was drawing him. He was one of those, I'm going and I don't really know exactly what I'm, and he shows up to church. And these, these kings, similar, God was just drawing them. He was just drawing them. It didn't make any sense that they decide to go on this voyage to Bethlehem, aside from the fact that God was moving in their hearts. And why was God moving in their hearts? He's moving in their hearts. He's saying, I want to show you, and I, here's my reality. This is the, the, just the foretaste of what's coming, and that is that I am drawing people from all corners of the world around my son, Jesus. Around Jesus. Imagine if these kings were, in fact, Babylonians. It's quite likely that they were. Imagine if they were, in fact, Babylonians. You've got Mary and Joseph, people from Israel and this history of being held captive by the people of Babylon and Babylonian dignitaries show up to visit them and their child. Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. There's there's likely strife there, but then they show up and and what's the first thing that they do when they, they show up? It says they fall. Dignitaries fall down before Jesus. It's odd. Babylonians and Jews in the same room. Kings and peasants in the same room. And these kings are bowing down before this peasant family, particularly their peasant son who is in fact God. And he's two years old most likely. I mean, I don't know what in the world would cause these men to bow down before a two-year-old. I mean, we don't have any evidence that he performed any kind of miracle. He didn't turn his binky into a dove. I mean, it was just, they just walk in and they fall because God had been moving in their hearts. The reason we think he was likely up to two years old because Herod did a little research on the timing of everything, and so he decided it was appropriate to kill all the children two years old and younger after doing his timeline research. And we've got these kings bowing down before a toddler. A toddler. Because God had been moving in their hearts. He had been moving in human history so that we would have people from far reaches of the globe now entering into Israel, into Jerusalem, and then into the small town to worship the king of the Jews. Strange, but God is up to something. He is uniting people, not around the title not around a political affiliation, not around an affinity or a hobby, not around a nationality or a language. He's uniting people around Jesus. Because in the Old Testament, Isaiah 45, and in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue, that is every language, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I brought back my, my Charlie Brown nativity scene that I, I told you a few weeks ago I got. And in this 
this scene, we've got all these different characters, and we've got this, this tiny little, little Jesus in the manger. And there was no room for them in the inn, and so they get put in the stable, and that's where the baby is to be born. And we've talked about how it's, it's interesting how such a unique cast of characters that God chose. It was one of those group of people that you just wouldn't have expected for God's beautiful, amazing story to revolve around all these different people, and yet that's what makes it beautiful. And so you have this poor peasant couple, Lucy and Charlie, Mary and Joseph, and um, they're betrothed to be married, and this baby is born in the midst of scandal because she claims to be a virgin, and we explained all of that a few weeks ago. And so you have this, this unlikely couple. I mean, of all the people through whom God could have brought the Messiah into the world, he chooses Mary and then calls Joseph to, to raise this boy. Just an unlikely, unlikely couple. And then we have, I told you, uh, my kids lose all the characters. And so we have an army guy, and we're going to call this army guy her cousin. We'll put her over here. That's, that's Elizabeth. And uh, Elizabeth, the miracle goes, uh, in her old age, she's able to conceive and have a child who's going to be the forerunner to Jesus. And Elizabeth is brought into this story, but her story is a story of shame. Because in your old age, not able to have kids in that day and age, hey, children are a blessing. And children, that, that for us as believers today, it's disciples that are being made. For, for them, it was, it, was, it was having children. That's how you expanded the, the, the work of the kingdom. And so here, here's Elizabeth, and, 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 and she's had a, a life of shame. And yet in the midst of that shame, God brings forth the, the forerunner to the Messiah. He says he's going to be great, but then he ends up being really weird. And he moves out into a desert, and he dresses weird, and he eats weird things, and, and that's, that's her son, and God chooses to bring her into the, the story. And then, of course, we have the, the angel, right? Uh, Gabriel, who comes to, to Mary. We have another uh, appearance to, to Joseph, and, and so we have the angel, and heaven is, is brought down to earth and, and, and brought into this realm of, of reality. Of course, we have um, we have the shepherds. Uh, I have a Ninja Turtle, but we'll call that the shepherd because that's how it works in my house. We lose the figures. And so um, we've, got, we've got the shepherds, and these guys were unbelievable characters as well because they were just kind of a rough group of guys. And, and the story with the shepherds is the reality for these guys is that because they couldn't leave their, their flock, they couldn't go to synagogue. They couldn't uh, make the journey to temple. And so they were subpar religiously. Uh, they, were, they were dirty, filthy people picking bugs out of, out of hair of, of their, and the wool of their, their flock. And they were just kind of looked down upon. And so they weren't, weren't clean and they were dirty. And they, 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 they were known to be criminals in many cases. And they weren't allowed to give testimony in court. And so God brings these guys into the story. And, and the, the great story of, of the, the angel coming to them and, and telling them where the Messiah is to be born. And that angel is backed up by a whole chorus of angels. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. And they're brought into this uh, amazing story. And then we, of course we have the, 
the kings, right? And uh, we have the kings come, and, and these guys are royalty from the other side of the, the, the known world at that time, and they're brought into this amazing story of, of God. And we could say uh, her, her husband, Zechariah, just all these, these different people are brought into the story, and yet what are they centered on, or, or who, should I say, are they centered on? Different, different nationality, different, different backgrounds, some very religious Zechariah, some not religious at all over here. And, and yet they're all brought together. They're all unified on who? They're all unified on Jesus. They're all centered around Jesus. And that's, that's the beauty of, of, of Christmas is that God has become a man and he reconciles us back to himself, but he also reconciles us to each other. And so the answer in the midst of all of the hostility that we see today The answer is not some perfectly thought out political answer because we're going to try something and they don't work for the long haul. The the answer is not this or that and I could go through the list and, and ruffle your feathers, but listen, the answer is always only Jesus. It doesn't mean that we don't try to make wise decisions with how we do politics and, and, and work for, for peace and try. Of course we try all that stuff. But we as believers have to know deep within our hearts and get passionate about deep within our hearts nothing other than Jesus. That Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus, on this Peace Sunday for Advent, Jesus is peace. It's, it's Jesus. It's all these different characters brought into God's story. People who, most of whom would never have otherwise crossed paths with each other. But they do because God says, I'm inviting you into my story. And every single one of them are there because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. As we've been talking about through this Advent season, Jesus creates community. He does. But not only does Jesus create community, but one of the most beautiful things that we've been able to see God do in our local context here is that he doesn't just create community. Jesus creates diverse community. He creates a diverse community. So that people are, are left scratching their heads and saying, what is it? I mean, how does this group of people get together? And it's not just for an hour and a half every week. They get together throughout the week. They love each other. They care for each other. They meet each other's needs. And they, they really like each other. How do you explain that? And we get to say, here's the reason. The reason is Jesus. That God has invited every single one of us into his story. And now we're all a part of the great, amazing story of Jesus. And so the answer to race struggles and war and hatred and self-righteousness and ethnocentrism is Jesus. It's it's Jesus. Growing up, like uh, probably most of you, me and my brother and my sister, we fought. We loved each other really well, but we also fought really, really well. We got got good at that. And so uh, a phrase that I often heard around holidays from my mother, my mom would say something like this. It's Mother's Day. Can't we all just get along? Just one day? And then the next holiday comes. It's Valentine's. It's the day of love. Can't we all just get along? Just one day? It's my birthday. Just one day. Just, can, we, can we not hit each other on this one day? Can we just get along? 
And it's Christmas. It, because it's Christmas, can't we just get along? And I think she was the closest on this day. And mom, if you're listening via podcast, it's not, it's Christmas, can't we get along? It's because of Christmas, we can get along. Because God became a man, we can get along. We have been given the means by which to gather together. And that is not because we have so much in common, but because we have one thing in common. Without Jesus, it's faux community. With Jesus, it's real and lasting community. Ephesians 2 talks about the the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and and Gentiles. It says when Jesus comes and Jesus dies on the cross and the veil is ripped and and what also is ripped and torn down and and actually was a, a historical reality, AD 70, was torn down, was this actual dividing wall around the temple where Jews could not enter. And that wall was torn down. It was torn down. There is no separation between Jew and Gentile anymore because you are all one, as we said, Galatians chapter 3, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so the dividing wall of hostility has come down and you can now be gathered together because of, not because we all have young kids, not because we're all uh, white or Asian or African American or African or or whatever it may be, Dominican or, or Puerto Rican. No, we are all one. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And that's a reality. The wall has come down. It's a reality that the wall is down. But here's what often happens for many believers is we, we like that reality. But now we don't quite know how to live in that reality. But the wall has come down, but now we're still standing. There's no wall, but we're looking at each other. I'm not sure what to do. How do I relate? And here's how we relate. Is we don't look at each other. We look at Jesus. What did the... The wise men do when they enter in. Probably the thing that kept them from from immediately having some some frustration between Mary and Joseph and these Babylonians, perhaps. What did they do? They looked to Jesus and they fell down and they worshiped him. That's what unifies us. Do not lie to yourself and to the world around you to make them think or to be confused to think that our unity is in anything else other than Jesus. Our unity is in Jesus and Jesus alone. You ever been in a place where you meet somebody for the first time and you're just trying, you know, you're trying to find something, some kind of common ground, something we can talk about, and then you finally get it. You finally, we finally got something. We, we, both went to, we both went to Arkansas that one time. And I've been there, yeah. You're from there? Okay, yeah. I, I drove by one time. I was en route to somewhere else. But I was there. I stopped at a gas station. And you, find, you got a talking point, right? You can talk about something. And you go from there. And then you find that sometimes it starts to kind of fizzle out. Because you had somewhere to start, but you had nothing to end with. The difference with Jesus is he's not just something where to start. He's somewhere to stay. And that's why he tells us, draw near to me. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. Because when every single one of you draw near to him, 
we're also drawing near to each other. And there's unity. There's unity around Jesus. So he doesn't just start it. He helps us to maintain it. Maintain it forever. And some people could say, well, you know, I get unity and community with this group of peers or these young moms or I'm in a bike club or a running club or, or a civic organization. Listen, that, that's somewhere to start, but you can't really finish there. The difference with Jesus is that you start there, you stay there, and you spend all of eternity there. So we're practicing for eternity when we gather around Jesus. The other difference with Jesus is that Jesus gives you a means for when the community gets frustrated a little bit, because it will get frustrated. Jesus gives you a means by which to see healing and restoration and forgiveness and the ability to continue, because Jesus says, here's how you live. You live under the banner of grace. Here's how you live. You live a life of forgiveness because you've been forgiven. See, Jesus gives us a way to live that's entirely different than living under other ways that we we come together, whether it's race or nationality or language or affinity or career. Jesus gives us another way. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message that we get to look at today in the wise men is that God brought these men who were so otherly, wooing them from far corner of the globe because he wants to show us just a foretaste of what he's doing. I'm bringing people who are not like you into the family. And it's a good and beautiful thing. And our tendency as believers is to drift towards homogenous units. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can be different and diverse and unified because we gather around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords He's brought us into his story. And if we keep our eyes on him, we're together. And church, I just want to, in just a moment, pray together that, that God would enable us to see what we've, we've seen started, which is a diverse congregation, and enable us to continue to live it out because Jesus is not just our talking point. Jesus is not just our starting point. Jesus is where we stay. Jesus is the glue. Jesus is the king. You guys close your eyes. We like to do this every week together. It's just to pause and to reflect on what's been shared from God's word. And when God speaks, we want to respond to him. And so I want to invite you to, you know, to assess your own heart. Why am I here? Am I here because of Jesus? Have I given my life to Jesus? Have I centered my life around Jesus? Is he the center of my story? Is he he even the center of this for me? Or is it something else? I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus if you've never given your life to him. That God would become a man. That he would walk in our shoes on this earth. He would never sin. He would know our pain. He would know our struggles, our temptations, but would never sin. And yet he dies. Not because they killed him, but because he laid down his life. They said, if you're God, hop off the cross. 
instead of hopping off the cross, he stays on the cross crying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So that the price for your sin can be paid by God. And if you trust in him, you're made right with God. And you're brought back into that relationship that you were always intended to live. The deep parts of your soul are longing for that relationship. You're invited to that. He says, whoever calls upon my name will be saved. And so if you call upon the name of Jesus, you can be saved from separation from God and brought back into that relationship that unifies you with God and unifies you with his people. If that's you, you call out to God and be saved from sin and saved to an eternity with God. Others of us in this room, maybe we just haven't really been centering our hearts around Jesus this holiday season, this whole year. We need to do that. Come back to him. And then many of us in here, we're trying to figure out the world's problem apart from Jesus. God, I pray that you would focus our hearts in on you. Be a people who live completely centered on you and nothing else, nothing else. God, thank you that you hear us when we pray. You, you welcome us back when we return to you because of your great love and grace. We praise you, God. We commit our time of response to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.